Pastor Xavier Reese and a biblical expression of true love. When you're in sin, if I love you, I confront you, I say, what are you doing? You as a parent confront your child. Why? Because you love him. If you don't confront your child, you're not a parent, you don't love him. And if you don't confront me or I don't confront you, I don't love you either. I'm just a big windbag. The Lord convicts as many as he loves. Revelation 3.19 says, Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Sin is the forever adversary of Christians, and she plays no favorites. And unfortunately, that includes those who lead the church as well. Just what is to be done to those leaders who succumb to sin? That's what we'll be looking at as Pastor Xavier continues his study in the book of 1 Timothy. Let's join him for today's important lesson, Elders and Accountability. Now, Paul is dealing in this section not only with the honor that is to be given to the elders in the congregation, but also the honesty there is to be in the confronting of ruling elders, especially if one has fallen into a life of sin. And he deals with that in verses 19, 20, and 21. Let me read here verses 19 through 21. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Here's the three ways that Paul adds to how elders can be honored and are to be honored. First, Timothy was to protect the elders from possible false accusations, verse 19. Secondly, Timothy was not to protect the elder guilty of the accusations, but confront the elder, verse 20. And then thirdly, Timothy was to obey the instructions for accusations against elders in verse 21. First notice... The confrontation is of those elders who are sinning and who were sinning. He's dealing with the Ephesian situation. Though the principle can be applied to a regular believer, okay? But the context is elders. The command implies that the charges were before two or three witnesses and after inquiry they were found to be true. This is the assumption here now. The person's guilty. Evidence has been brought along with the charges. The tense indicates the present tense. They would be still in their sin being charged with a habit of life, not the occasional sin. So they are charged. The evidence is presented. It's seen and evident to be true. The confrontation is to rebuke the elder. The word rebuke means to bring a person to confession, if not always, at least to conviction of his or her sin. The word is used by Jesus in reconciling sinning brothers in Matthew 18, 15. Go tell his fault between you and him alone, and if he hear you, you have gained your brother. So the purpose of confronting someone is to bring them to conviction, to agreement that they have been wrong, and they repent, because you want to reconcile. It's to get fellowship back. When you're in sin, if I love you, I confront you. I say, what are you doing? 
You need to, to repent. You need to turn. You as a parent confront your child. If you don't confront your child, you're not a parent. You don't love them. And if you don't confront me or I don't confront you, I don't love you either. I'm just a big windbag. The Lord convicts as many as he loves, Revelation 3.19 says. And Hebrews speaks about it. Notice thirdly, the confrontation is to be in the presence of all. The context again is important. It is the sinning elder. Now, we must interpret the text in its context of the extreme situation at Ephesus and the elders who were now the false teachers. The heresy had come from within. He has in mind those who were leaders in the church before and now they're the false teachers. He's dealing with them. The text is not teaching that every little thing that an elder does in the ministry is to be exposed. That's not what he's talking about, okay? The minor issues would be better handled in the presence of all the elders of the church. They are, his fellow, they are fellow servants of the one who sits in the same position, the same office, the same responsibilities, and they deal with each other. The church members otherwise would be subject and exposed to details and information that, first of all, would not be their business to an extent, and it would stumble some. So for the protection of the church, some of those issues would not be exposed. Just like your child, you know certain things about your children as they're growing up, as I did about mine. And I knew about it, and they knew about it, but I didn't share it with everybody who came over and visited me. Why? Because I love my child, right? I want to protect them from people that I know that would love to jump on it, right? So we would do the same with an elder or someone in a position. Now, this is not an attempt to cover up the failure of an elder or to handle it in such a way that is not being truthful. We're doing it to the glory of God. We do not hide sin. If there is an infraction by an elder that marks and is evident, as we've seen in chapter 3, then we confront him. And depending on the circumstance, what the sin is, who's involved, what position was he holding, who was the person, were they married, were they not married, how many people were involved, what were the consequences, all those factors are very important to make a decision. And you deal with it. The matter of failure by the previous church leaders that were now the false teachers were being exposed by Paul before all the church for their failure. The next verse confirms this for the sake of all others and for the elders of the congregation. Look at verse 20. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may fear. Paul rebuked before all the congregation four individuals. In First and Second Timothy, Hymenaeus, Alexander, Philetus, Demas, and Alexander the coppersmith. He did not hide their sin. He did not give them immunity. He rebuked them before all. First Timothy 1, 19 and 20, 2 Timothy 2, 17, 4, 10, 4, 14. And we as elders here, if there was a severe moral lapse, then we would deal with this elder and we would make a declaration from the pulpit if need be. 
We've never had to, thank God. But if we had to, we would have to. That would be the extreme case, as Paul is dealing here. That's the culture. It's an extreme internal case against leadership. Now, notice fourth, the confrontation has a purpose beyond the discipline of the elder that the rest of the elders may fear. Regarding the awesome responsibility of misrepresenting the office of the elder, regarding the blame brought to the church, regarding the humiliation before the elder elders, regarding the embarrassment and destruction to one's family, regarding the devastation of one's usefulness for God, if the offense is severe enough, regarding the deception of sin to ensnare one who knew better, regarding the vulnerability of our humanity, that others would learn from that individual and it would strike fear in your heart and in mine, lest we would consider going the same way. Do we not do that with our children also? Sometimes we discipline a child and we allow that to be a teaching to the other younger children. Do we do it to humiliate the child? No. Because the offense is so severe that we allow that to be a school for the others. Lest they go the same way. One day Peter was at Antioch enjoying his fellowship with the Gentiles eating his pork chops. And all of a sudden some Jewish brethren came in from Jerusalem. And he tiptoed over to the kosher table. And he stumbled Barnabas, and Barnabas tiptoed over there. And so Paul got in Peter's face and said, how dare you? Here you're telling these guys about grace and how they're free in Christ, and, and you're eating with them, and then these guys come, and, 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 and you go separate from them, you hypocrite. Now, Peter wasn't taken down from being an elder. There wasn't a moral failure, and yet he confronted him. And he did it there at the church. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Accountability. No elder or bishop is above reproach or unapproachable for his actions if he is living in sin and falls into reproach regarding the qualifications of chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. No one is above reproach. The confrontation is to be with an attitude of humility, by the way, in view of restoration and not mere castigation. Though there may be disciplinary actions that are required, they are the consequences. Galatians 6 1, we're to be in gentle and meekness, that's the way we would want to be confronted. Matthew 18, 15 through 18, by one, by two, by three. There are consequences to our actions, people. Nobody can just sin and get away with it. The issue is never forgiveness. That's not the problem. The minute you're, you're, you, for, you repent of your sin, whatever sin you commit, on whatever level, the minute you repent, if you're sincere, God forgives you 100%. And your sin is put away. The issue in this context here of leadership is restoration. This is the matter. And if they fail, they must be accountable by the other elders. Or you do violence to Scripture. Much violence to scriptures done in leadership today in the church. Okay? I am not 
saying that every elder has to be tarred and feathered. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying everything has to be considered and determined through prayer and the scriptures on how it's handled. But you do not cover the sin of an elder. You do not give them immunity. To exalt talent, ability, or the gifts of that sinning elder by rationalizing that it would be wrong to have that man step down because the body at large would suffer the loss of such ability and talent is absolutely irrational and unscriptural. I don't care how good a teacher he is, if he has failed in the scripture and in his position, then he is removed. Forgiveness is never the question. The question is restoration to the position of responsibility. Okay? Again, we're not talking about petty little things. We're not talking about your personality clash. We're talking about verifiable facts that are severe in the nature of the qualifications attacking character and morality. The confrontation is to be public at times to instruct others. Paul did that with the young man who was sleeping with his stepmother in 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 6. He exposed them. 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 2, 6 through 11, he repented. He came back in the church. Paul says, now, come on. You guys didn't want to kick him out. You guys thought he was okay. I told you to kick him out, turn him over to Satan. You, and, and now you don't want to let him back in. What is your problem? <laughs> he repented. He came back in. Thank God. People don't always repent. If you're in a, in a, in a leadership position, you have greater accountability. No ifs or but about it. To not discipline an elder who is found to be in sin is to communicate that the average Christian can also fail without consequences. And the leadership loses authority to confront the sinning brothers in the church. If I fail morally and ethically, then how can I confront you? I don't believe that you think I'm perfect and I never want to communicate that to you. But I attempt to be a man of character towards you and the men and the staff here. And that's what we're talking about. The greater the privilege, the greater the responsibility and consequences. Jesus said that in Luke 12, 48. Too much is given, much is required. James 3, 1 says, Let there not be many teachers, to them will be the greater judgment. Don't be just a hearer, but a doer. And so Timothy was not to protect the elder guilty of the accusations, but confront him. That's a good way to honor elders in the office of bishop. Now notice thirdly, Timothy was to obey the instructions for accusations against elders. In other words, the whole thing here is, it's hard to do this, isn't it? We say, ah, do I really have to do it? Listen. Listen. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing without partiality. There is a tendency for leaders not to do this out of partiality and prejudice because everybody wants to be thought as a nice guy. It's just the bottom line, people. Notice first, Paul was giving Timothy this instruction before two or three witnesses. Does that blow your mind? The same number he required for an accusation before an elder. First, the first witness is God, who knows and sees all things, himself being the source of, of this instruction. 
Then second witness is the Lord Jesus Christ, who would one day judge Timothy for his stewardship. Jesus said in John 5.22, I'll judge all men. And then the third witness is who? The elect angels, those who are ministers to the heirs of salvation and are watching over the affairs of men opposed to those who have left their first estate. 1 Peter 1.12, 2 Peter 2.4, Jude 6, uh, Hebrews 1.14 speaks about angels. They're looking. They're looking out to the church. How are we dealing? How are we walking? What are we doing? How are we handling things? They're blowing their mind. Three witnesses. He charges Timothy with the word charge there means to attest, to protest earnestly or religiously as a charge, and it's used in classical Greek for gods, the call of gods to men and to men's witness, holding them under divine accountability. The word is used for man's witness of the gospel in Acts 2.40, and the word is used of Timothy's accountability to what Paul instructed him throughout the first epistle, 2 Timothy 2.14.4.1, over and over, you're charged, I charge you, charge you, I charge you, I charge you, you need to do this, you need to obey, you need to follow through, it's intimidating, it's hard sometimes, but you stick to it, you honor God and his word, that's what he's saying. And notice, secondly, Paul holds Timothy accountable to observe all these things he has told him, all of them. He's focusing on this, about disciplining elders and protecting them from false accusations, but of course he's dealing with the whole epistle, but he's, he's focusing on this right now. The word observe means to guard or to keep watch, very simply, to obey. The particular things are the immediate context regarding the elders. This is the matter of urgency at Ephesus. He was to honor the elders who rule well with double honor, referring to finances, especially those who labor in the word of God, verse 17 and 18. He was not to receive an accusation against an elder except for two or three witnesses, verse 19. He was to rebuke sinning elders in the presence of all that others may fear, verse 20. He was to obey all these things. Now notice the manner in which he was to do so was with character. He was to do it without prejudice. The word prejudice means prejudgment or decision appearing only this time in the New Testament. Timothy was not to receive any accusation against an elder with personal prejudice for the elder or against the elder by his personal decision about that man beforehand. Rather, he was to obey the scripture and the mandate of that scripture for such cases based on the evidence of two or three witnesses. He was to let the chips fall where they may, according to truth. This is what a judge does on the bench. He hears evidence, facts, witnesses, and he is to be non-partial, non-prejudiced, and to lay the chips fall where they may. Timothy was to do nothing with partiality. And the word means to lean or to incline towards or with favor. How we respect people's faces. <laughs> How we are less brash with some than others. Oh, it's a danger all the time. Timothy was not to lessen the failure of an elder or make his failure worse due to favoritism or lack thereof. He was to be faithful to the facts, truthful to the facts. You're familiar with that day that Nathan the prophet, close companion of David, came to him after a year. And he told him that parable of that 
poor man who had that ewe lamb, and he loved it. He played with it, and he ate with it, and he slept with it. And this rich man had many, and he had some visitors, and he took this one ewe lamb from, from the poor man, and he, and he killed it, and he cooked it, and he gave it to his guest. And as David was hearing the prophet Nathan say this, David was getting enraged. Said, this man's going to pay, and he's going to... And, and Nathan pointed his prophetic bony finger and says, David, you are the man. It's been a year. You are the man. You took this man's wife, the, little, the only wife he had. You have all these women, and you laid with her. You try to cover your sin. You killed her husband. David says, I have sinned. I have sinned against God. And David was forgiven right there. Forgiven. But the consequences stayed in his home. The sword never departed from his house. His hands were full of blood. His son raped his daughter. His other son killed that son. His son ran him out of the kingdom. David was a broken man. Forgiven. But he had consequences the rest of his life. He was never the same man. It's very clear teaching in Scripture. Our obedience to maintain the high standard for others is not an option. Even as Jesus said, if, I, if you love me, keep my word. My word will be in you. The Gospel of John. It's evidence of our love. The witness of the word, the Holy Spirit, and the church hold us accountable in leadership. The word of God is to be absolute in every area of our lives. Because God, Jesus Christ, and the angels bear witness to us against that as leaders in 1 Peter 1.12. Our service for God as elders and bishops will one day be judged at the beam of seat of Christ. And it will be revealed by fire. The motive will be what's in my heart. 1 Corinthians 3.12-15 and 4.5. As an elder, you want to not only start well, but you want to finish well. As an elder, you want to hear the word, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Timothy was to obey the instructions for accusations against elders. Hard, difficult, but has to be done. It is never anything personal. But if you're in leadership, know before you fall that when you fall, you have great consequences. And though you will be forgiven if you truly repent, you may not always be restored to the position that you fell from. And so Paul has told Timothy three other ways of honoring elders in the office. Timothy was to protect the elders from possible false accusation. God help us that we never be a church that would accuse people falsely, let alone elders. Timothy was to not protect the elder guilty of accusations, but confront him. God help us to give us the boldness and the honesty and the integrity to do so when that happens. It never has. I hope it never happens. But if it does, I pray to God that we be faithful. And thirdly, that Timothy was to obey the instructions for accusing elders, bringing accusations against elders. Did you do it straight across? Let the chips fall where it may. Don't let people turn their table and say, well, you did. No, no, no. You disqualified yourself by what you did. Saying we're not gracious. No. We want to be scriptural. And if we're scriptural, we can only be graceful. 
But grace is not a license to sin. It is not cheap grace that we practice. God help us. Pastor Xavier Reese and holding fast to the truth of God's Word no matter the circumstance. Now, if you'd like your own copy of today's study, Elders and Accountability, it's available for only $4. We can send you a copy on CD. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier taught the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Elders and Accountability, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station in your correspondence. This is one way we can check on the impact of this outreach in your area. The Secret to Contentment that's our topic revealed on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 